Welcome to Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators with Jordan Donnell. This is a safe place to learn about women's health and sexual wellness. I'm your host, Jordan Donnell, physician assistant, women's sexual health educator, and intimacy coach. On today's podcast, we are talking about sex clubs. This episode is going to be filled with tips for people who maybe are interested in them, going for the first time, and talk about our own experience to the sex club here in San Diego. Did you know that 87% of teenage girls received a say no to sex type of sex education? Unfortunately, most of us did not receive a quality sex education. And that is why I created the Sex Ed You Wish You Had, which is a comprehensive adult sex education. 73% of women are still confused about what a vulva is, according to HuffPost. And I find that so many women don't know proper genital terminology. They don't know the basics of their hormones, the different birth control options, or even lubricants, toys, and other pleasure-enhancing products that are available. And that is why I created this comprehensive sex ed to help all women get the basics of their sexual health and understand their bodies more. After the sex ed you wish you had, you are going to feel empowered as a sexual being and feel knowledgeable about how your body works. If you're listening to this and you are thinking about how you really wish you had more information about sex and sexual health, then this is for you. This is a self-paced program to help you understand your body more. This is for you if you received an abstinent-based, shame-based sex ed or just no sex ed at all. You desire to understand the basics about your body and sex, and you want to feel confident as a sexual being, or you are wanting to start your sexual exploration journey. I can't wait to see you in the sex ed you wish you had. If you'd like to learn more, go to jordandanelle.com backslash sex ed. Can't wait to see you there. Today I have Courtney joining me. Courtney is my good friend who I met through the podcast and social media. And I am part of the board for something positive for positive people, which Courtney founded. He also founded found it <laughs> the podcast positive, yeah. something positive for positive people so he came out here to work on some projects and introduced me to a lot of other people in the community out here which has been really amazing but one thing that we wanted to explore was a sex club and I have had some prior experiences with sex clubs. I'm curious have you had prior experiences to sex clubs before coming to this one here in San Diego? Yes. So I moved out to Portland, Oregon almost a year ago now, and I found it to be a very sex positive space, very supportive of something positive for positive people and my extracurricular activities, if you will. And my only experience with attending sex clubs is not participating, but more so attending classes. So there are role classes, there's impact play classes, power dynamics, as well as like dom sub relationships. So you can really learn a lot about kink and BDSM. You can learn a lot about like non-monogamy and boundaries, consent, things like this. So that's been my experience is really attending the classes and then kind of just maybe hanging out for a little bit or there have been events there that are themed. 
So there are themes for various people of identities. If you're there on swingers night, if you're there on ladies night, if you're there for like bisexual night, there are a lot of different themes for different nights, depending on where you are, of course. So it's very important to look ahead of time and see what you're going to be walking into, especially like for me as a straight man, like I don't want to walk in on like lesbians night or pansexual night and I'm in there as a straight man. Like it's just not an environment that I'm supposed to be a part of because I think what they do is really curate the environment for Mm -hmm. the audience that it's for. Mm, Yes. I'm so jealous that you had classes because that is such a great opportunity to explore and learn these things. And I need to find some classes around here. I had done a podcast about the kink and tantra event that I went to where it was kind of a class-like situation. It was an experience. So got to do some research. Yeah. And another thing that is worth noting is that you really meet like-minded people in these settings. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm someone who's interested in rope from a topping perspective or being the person who does the tying. And I met a woman that I've become pretty good friends with who was also um, a top, but we like practiced on each other because it's important to also understand what it feels like to be tied up. So we're both early in our learning stages and getting a feel for the progression of the other person. And we're able to give advice from that topping perspective and then go and practice on ourselves or be partnered and paired with people who are interested in being tied up. Mm, That's so cool. So my first experience with the sex club was actually in Vegas, probably like six to 10 years ago, like little baby Jordan. And I will say that like, it was not anything worth noting to be completely honest. Like it was just not that great. And I think that the reason why the experience was nothing exciting was two things. One, it was a Tuesday night, but two, I don't think that I went into it with the same type of intentionality that we went into with our weekend here. And we were very intentional on what we were going into. And I I also think that was before I stepped into this space, this space of like sex positivity and understanding more of what goes on, I guess you could say. Yeah, there is a major difference of how I would have shown up prior to my understanding and knowledge about boundaries, as well as like a lot of the things about sex that don't really seem like they're relevant to sex. Because when we think about sex, what we're really thinking about or talking about is intercourse. So we're talking about penis, Mm -hmm. vagina penetration, right? Mm -hmm. But with sex and having this understanding that sex is so much more broad, I more than likely would have gone into these sex clubs with the intention of having intercourse and not wanting to speak to other ways to explore or play with potential partners. So that means just like, first off, asking, what are you here for? What are you hoping to get out of this experience? And then being able to present you know, what it is that I want, because a big part of this is not just going in to go with the flow. Like you can, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, some people can do that and it's important to be able to do that with safe people or if you feel safe in the environment. But I think that it's more fun 
to have an intention. Notice I said intention and not expectation. Intention is very internally focused. Mm. Expectation is very externally focused. So if you go in and you're like, I'm going to have a good time or I'm going to set the intention of just being comfortable. I want to talk to a few different people and just start a conversation. Then you set the standard for how successful your night is going to be. Yes. I love that. So let's talk about like what our experience actually was and like what to expect when you go into a sex club. Now they're all different. So we can only really speak to like our experience. I mean, we've had other experiences, but we really can only speak to what this experience was like. Every sex club is going to be different. If you go to Colette's in like Dallas or Houston, and, and I learned there's one in New Orleans as well, then that experience is going to be very different than say fads or house of blues out here in San Diego. So before we talk about like what our first thoughts were when we walked in, let's talk about kind of what we knew going into this and how to prepare. Okay. For me, when I learned that men had to be full nude and then women had to wear lingerie or less or less, I was a little bit nervous about that because I realized I hadn't been naked before. I hadn't actually participated in anything going on at a sex club. Mm -hmm. So I'm not insecure about my body at all. I've had this thing about being one of two black men in the space that is predominantly white. And so I'll be in the sex club, like in Portland and I'll look around and it's like, ah, just me or me and this other person. Right. So I already have an idea that I'm going to be looked at in a certain way. And I don't know what it is, but once I walked in and the first thing that I saw was like three black dudes, like changing their clothes, that gave me a sense of like relief. I was like, yes, the tokenization is going to be evenly distributed. No, <laughs> but all jokes aside, like I didn't know how important representation was because I hadn't seen yeah. black men in the sex positive space. Yep. And so to walk in and see it, I was like, oh, hell yeah. I took my clothes off so fast. I was like, I fit in here. Like I belong here. And you know, that- I was in heaven. But uh, no, that was really good for me to alleviate the discomfort. So knowing ahead of time that that was something to be expected, because if I walked up to the door and I was like, then told, all right, man, I have to be fully naked. I wouldn't have been mentally prepared for that. Yeah. And you do have to mentally prepare, especially I think for like your first time, like, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are going to come up and a lot of body things, which we talk a lot about on the podcast, body image and body confidence and that shows a lot in sexuality. I find, you know, we've, I've talked about this before, but for a lot of the women that I work with, their body image is directly impacting their sexuality. Mm -hmm. So definitely knowing that ahead of time was really helpful. I think for both of us. So, okay. So we walk in and first thing we do, we get all checked in, we pay, and then from there, they sit us down and they go over the rules with us. And I think this is really important to highlight that the rules are there for your safety and your protection. And one of the biggest things about sex clubs is that they want you to be in like fully consented. And 
anytime, like you can't just touch somebody. You can't go walk up to somebody and grab their butt. That's not appropriate. You need to ask even though everybody's naked and everybody's there, you don't know what the other person's intentions are. So like consent is huge and you will be kicked out if you do not obtain consent and get reported. So that was one of the rules. Do you remember some of the other rules? Yeah. Just adding to that, a lot of people may be here. This is a great space to practice boundary setting. It's a great place to come in and ask for what you need and potentially receive it. It's also great practice to be able to say no if you're someone who is used to people pleasing. So people are not only wherever they are in their bodies, but also wherever they are mentally and in their own healing journey. This could be a big step for someone and it can be completely ruined with a simple consent violation in the rules. And I find that the people that I talk to, the people that I watch, everyone was so consent abiding. Yeah. I didn't have anybody cross any boundaries at all, which is really nice. Cause I, that's, you, you go to the club and you're, you're sexually assaulted walking through the club. Like everybody's grabbing you and you're wearing clothes there. Oh, wow. And that's a big difference between the sex positivity and then Mm -hmm. the not sex positivity. I call it like sex avoidance and not not positivity, but like it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. sex negative, but sex avoidant. And what I mean by that is in these settings, it's assumed there's assumed consent because you're wearing whatever you're wearing, because you're in this space, then this is what you want. This is what you're here for. And people act accordingly to that. Mm -hmm. And the courting process looks a lot different outside of a sex positive context. Yeah. You know, one thing that I thought of while we were there is like a lot of times you go to the club, like I remember going to the club as a younger kid and you're going to find somebody to copulate with, right? Going to a space like this is honestly like so much easier and safer and a hell of a lot cheaper than going to the club. So I don't know. I'm, I think it's actually really, really cool. So we walk in, they give us some rules. What other rules do you remember or do you want to touch on? Yeah. That everyone, it's easy to identify the people who work there. They're wearing clothes. So if you are in an uncomfortable situation or if someone is perhaps not honoring your boundaries or making you uncomfortable, all you have to do is flag one of these people down and then they'll come take care of you. Now, I haven't seen anyone have to be kicked out or taken care of, but I assume it's because they did a great job of setting the expectations. And also when we were there and we were watching and observing some other things happen, which we're probably going to get into all of that, but... These people with clothes on were walking around making sure that it was like consensual and safe, I think is really what they were looking for. Like that the individuals really wanted these activities to be performed on them. Mm -hmm. I think this is a really good place to point out, you know, a lot of common ideas of what a sex club is or looks like, Mm -hmm. because coming into it, you might think there's just sex happening all over the place. No, it it may. I mean, it could be. Yeah. But that's not the expectation when you walk into it. People are uh, conversing. There's potentially dancing. There's a lot of what you see that takes place before sex that's not highlighted in our porn, which are the negotiations. So you'll hear a lot of those kinds of things. You'll overhear just small talk, casual convo, and a lot of people just introducing themselves and complimenting each other. And this was so beautiful Mm. to see because, you know, there's not a lot to compliment, but someone may be like for a guy wearing a fanny pack or a hat, like, oh, I like that hat. And it's just really easy to initiate conversations with people. So 
yeah, the atmosphere is really set up in a way that what you might assume is just sex all over the place. Well, honestly, is what people assume are just intercourse. You think everybody's having intercourse or giving blowjobs or cuddling this, right? But that's not it. There's more sensuality too. You may see people making out. You may see people playing like erotic games and you might see people getting water for someone, but people are checking in, taking care of people, offering pre-care, aftercare, and really just socializing. Just picture the club. If you go out to like a dancing club or something. But you can actually hear. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Picture that. And you know how that time period before anybody's really on a dance floor Think about it like that, because people are like talking, you know, filling people out. And then when it's time to dance, you know, later you come back, hey, you want to dance? Dancing equal, you know, being more equal to sex in this case. But there's like that window of time where no one's dancing. And then all of a sudden, you know, people are getting onto the dance floor. And I'm using air quotes when I say dance floor. Okay, so let's go back to what it was like. So we went through all of the rules and then we went and got a locker and got undressed because you don't, I mean, you're not going to walk through the street in your lingerie or whatever. So you come with clothes over and then you take them off and we brought towels. That way we could sit on clean spaces and you're nude or nearly nude. So you definitely want to just make sure you have something to sit on. And then from there, We took a little tour and we're going to take you on the tour. Yeah. So you walk through and you see people, of course, and you see like a lot of friendly, smiling faces, people like tapping cups or glasses together, cheersing, and you're welcomed in this like high energy, positive environment. And you walk through and it's, you know, set up like a house. I would say you walk around, you may see the dance floor, DJ booth. So, okay. So we walked in and then first room had like a pool table. So people were playing pool, lots of seating. And then we went down and there was a dance floor with a live DJ, which is really awesome. You could make your own music requests. There was also a stripper pool pole, which for those of you that follow me know, I love my stripper pole. So that was really cool. It's not silicone, which the one I got spoiled by the one that I have at home because it's silicone. So my hands stick to it. No, there were, there was also a spray bottle and wipes to clean off the stripper pole. Then you had a bar. So if you brought any alcohol, it was BYOB. You checked in your alcohol at the bar and they did serve it to you. Anything left over, you could not take home. So you don't want to bring excess alcohol and you want to bring kind of just enough for the night. And then we kind of can go upstairs and there was... Now this is where sex happens. (laughs) I mean, sex can't happen anywhere, but if you go upstairs, expect to see some sex. All right. Yes. So uh, there were different rooms and the privacy. So there are rooms that have doors that you can close or you can leave open if you want people to watch, maybe come in and ask if they can join. And that's something that was good to see too, is that you would overhear people asking, hey, is it okay that I watch? Or are you interested in blank? and having another couple or joining. So the conversations are happening. There are no assumptions. And there was also another section that was for couples only. So it's not like you're just going to see 
people who are single just coming up to where you and your partner and other people and their partners are who are just observing and that can potentially get uncomfortable. So I noticed that that was alleviated because they only let people into certain areas under certain requirements. So you can't go to this space alone. You have to be coupled working. There was also like a room that had glass windows so you could watch from the outside, from the patio. I thought we was working our way down to the patio. Well, there's the upstairs patio. Maybe you didn't see that. Probably didn't. <laughs> yeah, go on. I want to hear about this patio. Oh, no. There was just like <laughs> chairs up there. Okay. I mean, it was just a patio, but you can you can watch one of the rooms. So even if the door was shut, they had the windows and you could watch from the outside. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of have some privacy, but still be a voyeur, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then... Working your way back downstairs, you can go outside. So the outside area to me had like restaurant patio vibes. 10 out of 10 recommend. Absolutely. So there were a few booths that were set up, like restaurant booths where there were different games. It's like Jenga, Connect Four. Naughty Jenga. Naughty Jenga. And if you haven't played Naughty Jenga, I want to explain this to you because you would, you, you, it can be overwhelming at first if you're just jumping in and you pull a block and it tells you to suck off the person next to you. So it's two sided. On one side, it's something that's probably like, yeah, like really excited, exciting and something that's really erotic. And then on the other side, there's something a little less intense, if you like will. Like a massage. Mm-hmm. Or, and if you don't want to be touched, you don't have to. Like you can just skip it. You can pass. You can ask if people would like the thing that's written on the block done to them, or if anyone would like to do that thing to you. And then of course there's jump in the pool, which there's a pool. <laughs> and a hot tub. Oh yeah. That pool, hot tub. And then there are like a few mattresses and like tables set up out in the open area of the backyard. So in addition to that, as you walk a little bit further back and there's more like rooms with sliding glass doors. And as you make your way to the back of the space, it's like a little, little dungeon area. So the there's red room. the red room. Yes. So you could be tied to the bed. You could be tied to one of those crosses and flogged. And it's really a good idea to bring your own toys that you want to play with. Again, going back Mm -hmm. to the intention setting, you want to bring your own. If you got floggers, if you got any sort of toys, vibrators or anything like that, you want to bring these for yourself just for like sanitation purposes. Y'all know I'm real big on STI minimization. So they don't know that. They don't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am real big on minimizing potential risk of STIs. And the easiest way to do that is bring your own play toys. And if you're going to be doing anything penetrative, like I always bring condoms with the sex toys that I have. So like, yeah, I've come prepared, but I ain't used anything before. So you can just put a condom over your sex. So if you have someone that you're going to be involved with, play with as well. So speaking of condoms, one thing I wish I would have seen was like bowls of condoms out. They did not offer condoms. So you want to bring your own condoms and your own lube that was not available there. Mm, Yes. And again, going into it with intention, like assume that everything that you want to do, you're responsible for. So if you're somebody who wants to be tied up, bring your own rope. If you're someone who wants to be flogged, bring your own floggers. If If you you, want to be the one doing those things, mm, bring them. Yes. But yeah, it, it goes definitely back to intentionality and like be prepared for every one of your wildest fantasies 
to be fulfilled. And if you're, if you're prepared for that, knowing that that may not happen, you know, zero expectations, but you have the intentions of that potentially happening, you will have everything that you need. Absolutely. Another thing that I would like to touch on is just progressing throughout the evening. There is no pressure to do anything A, that you don't want to do. And then if you're introduced to something new, it is okay to ask questions. So if you're someone who is interested in, let's say, being dominated, you've never had someone dominate you. There are people there who, if you ask, it's very easy to find people who are into things that you might be into. It was really cool. There was a lot of teaching happening. So we had seen a scene, and I don't know if you watched the scene with me or not, I think some of it, but there was this scene happening where um, an individual was up on the cross and getting flogged with different types of devices, I guess you could say, like all types of different things. Different impact toys. Different impact toys. Yes. Impact play. See, yes. I've been going to them classes. You See, need to get, you need to I got to get my language. <laughs> and they were explaining to this individual while they were doing it, this is horse hair. This is what it's going to feel like. This is what you can anticipate. I believe they're pro doms. Yeah. So like they've got experience doing this, but that's something that you can learn there. And people are willing to give you education and little mini lessons along the way as well. Yeah. It's just such a, it's something that you have to experience for yourself. I would say that if you're interested, if you're curious, find a friend that is safe to you and then just go and you can go and you can just observe, you can just watch and see what it's like for me being able to desensitize myself to the environment really just meant challenging what my thoughts and beliefs were about a sex club. Like it's a club where people are just having sex. That's again, not the case. And they're on the other end of that though. I think that had I walked into a space like this where I had to be fully new because that's not been a thing at any other sex club that I've been to. It's vulnerable. And typically in these settings, women are encouraged to wear less clothing and then the men are just expected to pay more. Like that's it. Well, and I think that what I like about the men having to be nude is that it's not sexualizing women. And when you go to a place where men can be dressed and women need to be in lingerie or less, that's very sexualizing of women. And it, I think leveled like the, I don't want to say leveled the playing field, but the vulnerability aspect of that in that we are all in a very vulnerable place. And it took, I think it, I don't want to say it took the power away from men, but there's this like less dom, like less authoritative Mm -hmm. masculine type thing. I don't know. Can you elaborate on that? So what I was thinking is that the power dynamics Mm -hmm. are shifted because it's not like, Oh, and I hate that I'm about to say this, but this is a real thing. You know, like when you see somebody dressed a certain way, you'll have an idea about them. This is an environment where the expectations are to wear this or not wear this. And so you really get to see who's comfortable in their bodies as well. You are weeding out a lot of people. And I think that this is probably the biggest piece of it. You're weeding out a lot of people who would come in and be creeps. Right. Who would come in and they're just like, 
I felt definitely way more safe, I think, because mm-hmm. the men were nude and it wasn't just men watching me walk around. Yes. And then status. So someone who comes in who works at Walmart nine to five and, you know, not to clown on anybody who's working at Walmart nine to five, someone who may not be able to dress in a way that's attractive, right? Compared to a CEO of a company who might come in in a suit and a tie and flaunt his money, like none of that matters, Mm -hmm. right? Everyone is there in their body and it's more about your character. How are you in a sense of like emotional intelligence, like attractiveness looks different here. And it's not just your physical attractiveness, which of course plays a role into it, but it's also how you're communicating. Your communication here is going to be your best feature. Like how well do you know yourself and what you're here for? How well do you know what you have to offer? And like the vulnerability piece, yes, you are physically vulnerable in the sense of being nude, but also how vulnerable can you be if there's something that someone asks of you that you're not comfortable with? Like, oh, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really comfortable with that. Can we try? And that's a whole nother topic. It's just like the negotiations of Mm -hmm. it. So we'll keep this like a sex club focus, but that's what I I felt like you were going with yeah. with the power and the evening of the evening the leveling out of the playing field yeah you know one thing that i loved is that when you know i was talking with different individuals there one of the questions that commonly came up was what time is it i'm sure yes <laughs> there was that. there was no clocks there and so well there were there were clocks in some places yes, yes. But you can't have your phone. You can't have your watch. So you are really forced into being present. Which was amazing. Mm -hmm. Because I've been doing this for a while where I'm not able to access social media unless I'm on Wi-Fi. I set my phone up for that. So it's kept me from reaching for my phone like impulsively to just scroll, swipe, whatever. And so I've been practicing this for a while. So I've seen people just like impulsively reach for their phone like outside of the setting so to be here it felt like i was around other people who've been practicing that as well Mm -hmm. because instead of going for your phone you're in an interaction with someone you may make an observation that you otherwise wouldn't have made like just being in the environment taking notice of a thing and having just genuine outreaches for connection with other human beings one thing i was going to say is that like people would lock up and be like you know what what are you into that was the common question that I heard. Like, what are you into? Which is a loaded question and goes back to your intentions. Like knowing what you want. If you say you're into everything. The worst thing you could say is depends on the person. And I'm into everything. Those are the two worst depends responses. Depends on the person. Yes. You've not, you, have you not experienced that? I have not that? experienced that. Okay. So when a person asks, what are you into? What do you like? This is an invitation. And I think that, and I've, this is something that I've processed from my experience at the sex club with, which was with rejection and that it's not necessarily someone rejecting you. There's a decline of an offer and it's very clear. There's no indirect rejection or anything. People are very clear communicators. No, I'm not feeling that today. Or that's not something that I've done before, nor am I interested in it. So your communication, again, is very clear, direct, and concise a lot of times. But it's important for us not to take that personal if a person doesn't want that. And I've seen people take rejection so well in these settings. 
So it's interesting that this just kind of popped up. What I found is that a lot of men were wanting women to initiate. Because it's safer. And this is like, this is a space where like we live in a time too, where I believe that there's a major distrust for men and masculinity. So to be aware of that and look for any sort of like invitations, that's something that is big too. looking for eye contact, looking for, Oh, Hey, can I have a seat right here? Like little ways of noticing people making themselves available in Mm -hmm. your space, which is like just a huge dating tip in general that we could talk about on other day, but that's something that I've learned is that you have to like be inviting somehow. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yes. And even with, with the intention setting and the way that the space is set up, like I'm also someone who I'm comfortable in my body. I'm comfortable in my identity sexually as well. So if it's someone that I'm not even looking for anything sexual with or attracted to, we can still have a conversation. Absolutely. And like I spoke to a guy at the hot tub and we just like, I told him what I do for my nonprofit. He was like, man, that's really cool. We had a little bit of dialogue about it. And at the end he asked me, he's like, well, you know, what are you into? Like, um, he had mentioned that he was like bisexual or something like that. I was like, Oh, you know, I'm straight. And it wasn't like, uh, that wasn't a rejection to him. That wasn't a, all right, no more need for conversation here. It was just, again, just human connection. I'm able to have this conversation and have a conversation with anybody. Yeah. So I know that a lot of listeners are probably wondering this, like how, and I actually had a girlfriend message me this yesterday, Uh, when we got back, she was like, well, how do you be safe? Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a really, really difficult question to answer from depending on the kind of angle. So maybe you can elaborate because you're really good at this. Safe is subjective. Yes. So that's what I wanted to offer that first. There is also a level of risk tolerance that people have now. You are responsible for your intention and the standards that you set for yourself. And you do the best you can using the most accessible tool that you have communication. That being said, what safety looks like extends beyond, okay, I just don't want to get any sort of an STI or infection because you're in spaces where other people are also having sex. You know, if you notice that the sheets look a little dirty or they're wet or something like that, you can ask for them to be changed. And you also have your towel to put down as well. Okay. So when I think safety, I think from the moment of entering the space, right? Do you feel safe? How do you feel in your body? Checking in with yourself. Does the environment give you any sort of off vibes? If it does, it may be a good idea for you to either leave or just find a spot area that feels safe and then decide what you want to do from there. Really, the question was about like STIs. How do you stay safe from STIs? And the first part, like when I got that is... There's two parts, like safe is okay. subjective in that having sex is a risk, period. And you have some level of risk tolerance that you are willing to take. And you know, in this setting, like these are the risks. How can I best protect myself? So, you know, condoms and communication. Yes. And more of an emphasis on the communication part too, because I think in our sex avoidance society, there's an assumption that 
wear a condom, you're safe. That does not translate here because again, not all sex acts are penis and vagina intercourse. So Mm -hmm. safety in the sense of impact. You know, if blood is going to be involved, did you negotiate that? Do you have the materials necessary to navigate that? And, you, mm-hmm. Well, I'm just thinking too, like from like a oral sex standpoint, are you using condoms with oral sex? Because I know for me, like in my life, like that wasn't something that I grew up doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that people had sex or oral sex with condoms. Yes. Yes. And these are things to really negotiate and really think through before you get there, because you can almost go into like a euphoric high or just being in a state of excitement in this setting. So being like, okay, this is how much I'm going to drink. These are my boundaries. And the more that you can practice establishing and setting those boundaries and then going into spaces, it translates y'all, it translates. So you'll be able to do that in other areas. You're flexing that muscle for your boundaries and being able to do what you say you're going to do Mm -hmm. and have those standards for yourself. Right. So I think that it is very important to do that first and then be able to, because you can more firmly and with conviction say to someone, I wear condoms for all sexual activity here. Yeah. And you can say, you don't have to do anything while you're here either. Like you do not have to have sex. You can come and watch. You can just come for conversation. Like you do not have to participate in any activity Such good conversation. that you don't want. And I think that, you know, like for the listeners, if you're never experienced this, you're not really sure, maybe you're curious, just know that like you can totally go and watch and go home. You don't have to do anything, but these are a lot of things to be thinking about. Like, okay, how do you navigate this situation? What am I actually comfortable with? What type of risk am I willing to take? Am I comfortable in these situations? If you are familiar with the activity and you're aware of what different risks could be for engaging in that activity, you are responsible for that. And then with consenting adults, lay out all the information that you have to lay out, and then you move forward acting accordingly. And it's the same thing that goes for if you come with a group or if you come with people, setting the expectation directly with are among each other of how we're going to navigate the night together because there's your own intention, your own, and then the expectations among the group. And then like, yeah, like getting there. people home, you yeah. know, that's another big thing. If you get lost, right. Or you are there's no phone service. What's the no, plan? There's like, no, no phones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, not. so yeah. What's the game plan? Like, mm-hmm. which we experienced that where we had somebody we couldn't find, and we found them all was fine, but, you know, having, having that figured out ahead of time, like maybe have a meeting spot at mm. a specific time, which would be difficult because there's only a handful of clocks. Yeah. But again, like, I think that it's important to have this stuff laid out for your safety, but these are, these are a lot of things. And the only way to really plan and figure this out is like to try it, yeah. like, to navigate it and to like learn along the way. And I think that that's really what we did. So we actually went two nights in a row. So the oh, first I thought we were going to do part two. Uh, and Courtney and Jordan go to the sex club again <laughs> no, <laughs> the <no>. next day. <laughs> but like, you know, I think the first day was just like feeling it out. Okay. What is this? What's happening? Learning. 
And then it's still a learning process. And when you do start stretching that muscle or flexing that muscle and navigating your boundaries and navigating and negotiating your scenes, you're not going to have them perfect the first time. And even if somebody like shares something with you, you have the point to say no as well. If that is not within your own personal risk tolerance. And it's ongoing as well. So don't think that you have to have everything right the first time right away, right? Throughout the interaction, you can check in, you can offer shifts because also stuff can happen. What if, you know, one of you is comfortable with being watched while you're having sex, whatever that may look like, and the other person is not. So it's a good idea to have like a a symbol or signal if someone asks, hey, can I watch? You know, maybe hold up one finger for this being agreeing. Oh, like if you communicated that with your partner that you're playing with. So if like you look at your partner after someone goes, are you comfortable with being watched? Y'all look at each other and you have your signal. One for I'm okay with this. Two for I'm not okay with this. And then once you get that, the person (laughs) who is the receiver of the signal can respond and go, uh, no, they're not okay with this or no, no, thank you. And I love that you didn't say like the man, because I think that that's really important in this space that sometimes the men are going to take the, no, we don't want any, like kind of be more assertive, but it also depends on everybody's comfortability level. And so like, sometimes the women are the ones who are being more firm on the boundaries and creating that safe space, I guess you could say, Mm -hmm. because I saw both, like both men and women vocalizing, or I I guess I should say like all individuals vocalizing loudly. It's not just the male bodied individual who vocalizes their needs. Correct. Yeah. And again, this is a space for everybody to incorporate or uh, to practice asking for what they need, being able to say no. And it's really great for self-exploration and experimenting Yes, to find out what you like. And to learn about what all is out there. And like through this podcast, I'm sure you guys have heard a lot of different types of things. And there's actually a ton of episodes coming up about different types of sexual experiences, but it is a wonderful place to learn what type of pleasure is even available to you? So if you are on your journey and you're kind of like, "Mm, I don't really know what I like, that's okay. Going to a place like this can show you what's even available. And I think that that for me on my own exploration journey has been so helpful is that I didn't know electric plate was out there. I didn't know, like I had heard of Shibari at one point in my life, but like, I didn't know really what all of these things were. And because of this podcast, because of the sex positive space that I'm in, I've learned so much and it's a great opportunity to do that. So I think this is like a really, really great place to kind of wrap everything up. Is there anything else that you want to add about our little adventure? Yeah, I just, um, I want to wrap up some very important points, you know, from my experience and how it was really just great to know what I was getting into. It was great to set my own intentions and what I wanted to get out of the experience because it wasn't contingent on other people agreeing to the thing or saying yes to it. It was about me coming and meeting my own need. 
right? Oh my goodness, you are so <laughs> whack. Uh, and then having an awareness of what my own personal boundaries were as far as drinking, for instance. Yes. It's like, all right, I'm not going to have more than two drinks because I want to be coherent and present with everything happening around me and for whoever it was that I would have talked to, you know, not to yeah. be slurring in their speech or incoherent because there's a lot of different dynamics at play there. And then just having the comfort of being in a space like this and breaking through any of the potential barriers of just being able to relax and be comfortable. And the number one thing that I would say I got out of this was just how amazing it is to just be able to be present around other present people. I think that was one of my favorite parts. I said that night one is just that like everybody is so quality time is like my love language. Same. And so and physical touch, they're tired. Physical touch is actually very low for me, which is surprising. But anyway, I loved how there was so much presence for everybody. And you're like really actually listening to the conversation. Like you're really actually engaged. And uh, it was really cool. And the other thing that I would say for me is that having friends like you and other friends in the community to join me on this journey has been so helpful to create that safe place and be comfortable with myself and my own sexuality to explore. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for chatting with me, Courtney. Thank you for having me. This podcast is sponsored by Intimacy Coaching by Jordan Donnell. Have you ever desired more from your sex life or feel like you're having good sex but curious about how to make it even better? Are you desiring a deeper intimate connection with yourself? Or maybe you are dealing with desire and arousal concerns or struggling with communicating your desires with your partner. If you're hearing this and thinking, hmm, that might be me, and you're curious to learn a bit more, let's chat. I would love to talk with you more to see if working with me is a good fit for you. To learn more about intimacy coaching with Jordan Donnell, go to coaching.jordandonnell.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for joining today and continuing to bring awareness to women's health. If you love the show, please subscribe so you never miss another episode and leave a review for others to see. If you want to see me on the daily, you can check out my bio for links to all my pages. Be sure to share this episode with your girlfriends. Thanks again and see you next episode.